So the, the, the past sort of 48, 72 hours, first of all, we had you um, Ukrainian residents on the coast of Ukraine reporting uh, a series of very large explosions out to sea. And then um, various start sources started talking about some kind of mass raid on Snake Island. All the indications are um, if it was a mass raid, which it could have been, it was killed by the Russians. There's no indications of any damage that we can see. There's no smoke. There's no firms data that shows any burning fires. So either the, the explosions were related to another event, which we're um, not party to at the moment, or someone did conduct a strike against Snake Island and it was stopped cold by the Russians, uh, which would be entirely in keeping with, with the predictions that um, Portland made. Um, looking at the capabilities of the equipment, the, the sensor suite they've got there, the sheer number of launchers. So we've got that. We've got a um, pretty much concrete report that an oil rig has been trashed. And there is some firm's data coming in to suggest there might be a knob one on fire. We're not sure at the moment. We know one is definitely gone. There's a great deal of debate about why this happened. Um so, first of all, was it an accident or was it the Ukrainians? That, that, that's the first question. And we've got no footage or anything to say definitively it was a missile strike. Two, the questions I'm asking is why now and what was on that rig? We, we know it was probably used as an electronic intelligence platform for many years, which makes perfect sense. But, of course, now they've got Snake Island, this oil rig is to the east. So... Apart from maybe some additional signals intelligence, it's too far off the coast to be a jumping off point for special forces. I would be astonished if they put a long range search radar on the helicopter pad. I, I, I don't think it would be worth the effort for the additional coverage. They've probably got really good radar coverage over the Black Sea as it is. Therefore, why hit it? What, what was on there? But if it was the Ukrainians and it wasn't someone just having a tab on the upper deck, you flipped the butt somewhere where it shouldn't have gone. Why Why destroy this oil rig it, uh, or gas rig? It's, it just seems a very, very odd choice. There is a possibility that there was a warship there in close company. That ties in with what seems to be Russian naval doctrine at the moment, which is to use civilian oil rigs uh, as cover for warships. We're seeing it off Romania. There's two warships down there. They're using the oil rigs basically to hide in a month whilst they provide um, some additional coverage to Snake Island. So you you could say, you, you could speculate that this was a strike on a warship and the oil rig got in the way and they killed the oil rig instead. That, that does seem like a distinctive possibility. But assuming it was uh, action by the Ukrainians, the only other option is something was going on on that rig, the same as um, something needed doing to that tug that convinced them to um, pop it with some kind of uh, missile system. The tug story has gone quiet after the um, news that there was a FSB Alpha captain on board. People kind of moved on from it, but there's still a lot of questions about that. He he was a trigger man. So FSB Alpha are like, um, they think they're like SWAT and SO15. Um, they're not basically for, they're, they're like a hostage rescue team um, counter uh, terrorism unit. But rather than having strict rules of engagement and um, dedicated procedures in place to minimise civilian casualties, they'll just go into a hostage-taking situation and they'll kill everyone. The idea being 
uh, if everyone dies, then people will stop doing terrorism hostage taking because they'll realise there's, there's just nothing in it for them because the Russians don't care. It, it's a, it, he's a weird guy to send to Snake Island. As I say, he's a trigger puller. He's not a covert ops. Um, these boys are not um, espionage, sabotage, um, operating in hostile countries type people. They're, they're quite the opposite. They are a, um extremely aggressive reaction team so if he was on his way to snake island i don't think snake island was a jumping off point for him to be inserted into ukraine or romania i think if he had a team with him which we can probably assume that he did some kind of detachment they're not the people you're going to put in, in into in, into indian territory they just would not fit in at all so we still don't know what he was doing on there clearly that tug merited um two anti-ship missiles our initial sort of look at the footage said the two rounds went into the side of the ship. We've seen some additional footage, more low-level cover, probably taken by another UAV. Um, she got popped from the stern. She was probably in the turn. Uh, her arse end was pointing towards the missiles, and then the missiles struck. That's why we saw the tour hit first, and then the second round went through into, into the rear of the superstructure. She probably knew she was under attack. That, that's my impression. She was in the turn, she was trying to unmask that tall battery, and she was probably trying to do some sort of engagement, which in turn leads me to believe she wasn't on her own. There might have been something with her, a warship with some kind of air defence capability, and she was warned off. Either that or there was an AWACS up, something like that, and the raid was detected, uh, and they made the turn, and the two Harpoons or Neptunes flew into her stern. Nobody got off that. I, I, would, I would treat any reports of injured and rescued survivors with immense... Uh, suspicion to be honest because if it was say harpoons that's one thousand pounds so basically one ton of explosive went into that time um and if it detonated in the superstructure that's where the living quarters are predominantly so yeah no, no one got off that so we don't know what he was doing on board we, we think he was there's enough evidence to suggest he was all we do know is he was on his way to snake island um and if it wasn't an SF mission, he was on his way, then something else. You've got to ask yourself why a FSB Team Alpha guy would be en route to Snake Island. You probably draw your own conclusions about that. Um, we still don't know. The, the Russians have come out kind of publicly and said they've lost a warship, but we don't know what. We've seen one wreck under tow, which may or may not be a Bora. Uh, there are reports of both Bora class light. Uh, literal combat vessels are in but something definitely got itself malleted in the past 72 hours and that that looks like a wreck to me it looks like it's got dazzle camouflage down the side so it might be a borer it might be an old captured ukrainian um stenka class patrol boat uh we we just don't know it, it's it's getting really complicated because there are reports that at least six surface combatants are out in the Black Sea as well, and they may be prepping to do some kind of very large-scale missile shoot that game. We're, we're weighing on proof of that. The, the thing is, when you sail from Sevastopol, someone always has a camera out, and someone always takes photographs, and that news tends to get out to us really quickly. So a sortie by six ships sounds a bit of a sounds a bit unusual, unless they've been doing it in drips and drabs. I mean, there was that report yesterday that the whole of the Red Fleet had sailed from Sevastopol. That lasted about an hour until people went, well, hold on a minute. That's, if everything if everything sorted from Sevastopol, we'd know about it. Um, but there are ships at sea. I would expect to see some kind of missile strike today, judging from the building traffic by NATO around the Black Sea. So you've got a um, E-8 up. There is uh, an AWACS up. 
and there looks to be an RC-135 Royal Air Force on its way down to the Black Sea. So, obviously, it's all still to play for out there. I think Snake Island is... I think Snake Island's in trouble, but not in the way that we think. I think they might have some other issues going on there. That said, if those multiple explosions out to sea were Snake Island destroying an inbound area, it would also suggest that they've got a fairly decent anti-air capability now. Maybe the Ukrainians had a nibble at it uh, and it didn't come off. Maybe they did launch an MRLS strike and Tor and Pansir killed it. Uh, maybe there was a frigate there as well. We know that those two light frigates in the Romanian economic zone have just about got the sensor range now that they've moved to cover much of the Ukrainian coast where we'd expect an MRLS strike to be launched. So they've actually got decent raid warning capability now. They'll see it. If the radar is anyway near decent, let's say it's 1990, 996 radar kind of um, capability, they will be able to give Snake Island decent raid warning capability. So it's it's going to take quite a lot now to get at Snake Island because they've, they've got standoff radar pickets. So there's nothing anyone can do. They're in the economic zone um, and they are in breach of the Geneva Convention because they use an unarmed, uh, unarmed civilians as cover. They use them as radar decoys, but, but the Russians won't care. And there's very little you can do about it. The, the Ukrainians won't take a punt at those two ships unless... They leave that vicinity, in which case it's all bets off. So, um, yeah, it, lots of questions. There's an eyewitness account from a Russian, apparently, who was on this oil rig. He went up top for a smoke, and then he talks about harpoons and washing machines. I don't know if the Ukrainians may have some kind of secret weapon, some kind of Mac 2 Indeset um, washer-dryer. It could be. Um, but he he specifically stated he he saw some kind of missile and then hit the rig and then he went over the side so the, my, my question is why if they've hit the second rig it might be economic uh if they hit all the rigs in the area then it's definitely economic but you you've, you've got to think and as some guys in the oil and gas business have pointed out these are ukrainian rigs so when these platforms collapse if as and when they collapse they collapse in a big messy heap and it will probably end up on top of the wellhead, which makes reconstituting these these fields in peacetime really, really very difficult because you're going to have to go down and you're going to have to clear all this crap off. Um, so for it, for it to be an economic hit to try and dent Russian oil or gas um, production, I, I don't think the Russians will be bothered. I think we all know that they're, they're pretty good for that kind of resource at the minute. So it, it, it strikes me as being a bit of an own goal. So, yeah, as I say, questions, not a lot of answers at the minute. Hopefully we'll start getting some satellite passes today um, and we'll be able to maybe have a better look at what might be going on. All that we know is there is activity um, in the Black Sea. I've, I saw a UK MOD report today that says Russia's largely lost control of the Black Sea. For the first time ever, I fundamentally disagree with that. I think the Ukrainians are exercising sea control, by which I mean they've got the reach to start hitting targets out to about 180 miles now on the surface. I think the Russians dominate the airspace above it completely. Um, they still have an anchor point in the Western Black Sea, which is Snake Island. There doesn't seem to be any ability at the moment for Ukrainians to move that off the map. Therefore, by definition, Russia controls a literal battle space. 
they've just got to be more judicious now about how they employ their surface ships and certainly how they run convoys to resupply snake um because the, there's going to be three things russians well four actually rations as ever because squaddies are hungry little souls and they do like their food and let's face it a russian ration pack is probably not something you'll see in the Savoy. Water, so they'll need desalinization plants and they'll need a diesel generator to run that. And fuel, because they're going to be burning through fuel at a massive rate for the auxiliary power units on, on all this electronic equipment and all the weapon systems. And if there was a major engagement, they probably fired off a lot of tours, etc., to intercept the raid. So they will need a resupply fairly soon. I would anticipate seeing a, a fairly substantial red fleet operation to run a convoy through, but it will be much further south than west, and then they'll run up north, and they'll use those two radar pickets in the oil field to provide some kind of additional air cover. So ex expect to see some warships anchored off Snake Island fairly soon, I think. They'll just need a bit of time to plan this because it, it's going to be far more complicated. That's about it. I think I mean, um, I've got some questions, but I'm going to go with um, VSO and Tim first. Um, VSO, go ahead, and then I think Tim and Gunny will discuss stuff um, sort of back and forth anyway. VSO? Good morning, uh, guys. Hi, uh, Doman and Wings and everybody, uh, Wendy and everybody else, of course. And good evening, good night uh, for anyone who is at a different time zone. Uh, retweet to space. VSO, bottom left. Get, yeah. get to the question, please. Sorry. Okay. No I don't problem. want to keep Tim waiting. Yeah, I'm still getting awake. Um, Gunny, did you see um, the the firm's data of this morning? Yeah, they, they, it looks like a second rig might be on fire, doesn't it? But I'm, yeah. I'm always I'm always a bit judicious about firm's data to start with because it, you you know and I know it can be spoofed. Um, but there are some things that can set it off. Um, it it it. it it ties in with a rig, but I'm a bit confused because I don't think it was on firms last night, was it? There was one, and now but there was none. So I, I um, pointed it out to Portland as well. It, so 24 hours, there was a fire um, after um, we ended or near near the end of the chat. Uh, I checked just for reasons, and I saw none. So I. Asked Portland, do you see a C1? And I think he saw none as well. And this morning, there are two. So that's, it's, it might be a glitch, like you said, but it can go all, every way, I think, in this sense. I'm done, by the way. Yeah, morning, mate. Um, yeah, I, I mean, as we discussed, I'm a bit confused. The, the absolute absence of VHS, VHF, UHF traffic on civilian nets when this happened yesterday, when they hit the rig, I'd expect the, the, the nets to be alive. We discussed why Noeep Herb had gone off the emergency position uh, rescue beacon. Um, have they done a strike early morning? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll know in the next kind of four or five hours, I think. But Sorry, mate, I pressed the wrong button. I apologise. <laughs> yeah, so, um, morning, Axel. Yeah, sorry, um, I, I, joined, the, the... I joined and uh, immediately pressed the wrong button. I, I sincerely apologise. It was no, by no means by no means deliberate. Uh, yeah, you want to stop typing with a table tennis bat, mate. It's, it's easy <laughs> to, to, or, or, or your nose. Um, so, yeah, no VHS, VHF 
UHF radio traffic on CiviNets. There's no emergency position indicator um, radio beacon. There's there's a complete blackout down there. So we'll know in the next four or five hours, I think, if he, if there's been a second one. If they're going out, if they're going after the rig in sequence, and then they kill them all, then yeah, it's got to be some kind of economic um, attack. But I I just I really don't see the point of it. I I don't see the point. The the Russians are not they're, they're not short of the natural stuff. That you know they might be short of refined product, but um, oil and gas killing a few rigs is not going to affect them at all. Uh, and it's just going to make rebuilding those really really difficult in the future for the ukrainians because they belong to the ukrainians so yeah I, I, i'm really confused by the thinking then there must be something on these rigs that if if this is anti-shipping strikes there either must be something on those rigs to necessitate them getting killed or there is a warship using them as i said as a um, as decoys and the ukrainians keep trying to hit this warship and keep hitting the rigs but that that was suggested Ukrainians have been a bit amateur, and I'm not buying that at all. Ukrainians know how to use SSMs, so they wouldn't go after a warship and waste these valuable missiles unless they thought they had a good chance of killing it. So, questions, questions. Tim. Uh, morning, everyone. I was just wondering with the, uh, the FSB going to Snake Island, if they've got some sort of, to put it politely, morale issue there that it's probably not the best draft in the whole of the uh, special operation to be sitting on this little rock in the corner um, especially when we know how poor the Russians are at logistics um, is there the possibility that these guys on Snake Island are um, are very tired very hungry, very thirsty uh, morale is low uh, and maybe they've started to come under a little bit of, of fire Um and, you know, maybe you've got some issues there with um, maybe people don't want to work, they don't want to fight, they want to desert. So what do they do? They send the FSB, FSB guy in. Um, I certainly agree with what Gunny was saying about the UK Ministry of Defence's assessment on control of the Black Sea. Um, Russia has got control of the Black Sea, I would say, but I would say the battle has now been joined and that point about sea control uh is is very spot on but the russians now know they can't come and go um between sevastopol and and snake island um without very real danger uh of coming under fire they, they've gotten away with it i think the week before we thought there might have been something up there was a convoy on the move and we thought this is the time and nothing happened and we were all a bit down um but obviously the over the last few days um the battle has been joined yeah, I, uh, to be honest, if I had to put good money down, I'd say they've got a disciplinary problem there. Um, and it wouldn't be the first time that there's there's form on this because, of course, they had to insert the Wagner team um, a few weeks ago, didn't they? Because the, it, I, I'm sure the state of the island's garrison was in doubt. And that's why they put that Wagner debt down um, but got itself zapped. Um, so, yeah, the and I mean the tug, that tug has probably done multiple runs, probably using the same course, using the same PIM. So suddenly it had to be killed. Suddenly it merited two anti-ship missiles. So if it's been all right so far and the Ukrainians have managed to live with it running up and down um, and then suddenly it needed to be put under, that means that it was special. There was something special ironic in terms of kit or there was something special on it in terms of personnel. 
I'd also say as well, the crane, when she went down, the crane barge wasn't in the vicinity of Snake Island. So if, it, if she was running that tall missile system into Snake Island, how were they going to get it off? I, I thought, Gunny, that the tug had a little crane on it as well, didn't it? Or is that yeah, not big enough yeah, it, to it, lift it does, the door? It does, but it's a davit, and we don't know what the safe working load on, on it is. And a tour is is not a light bit of equipment. So, and also, if you think about it, how are you going to get it off? You can't get the tug onto the jetty. It's not deep enough. Every time that tug goes there, it has to kind of sit off. And then the crane barge disembarks the system, motors over to the jetty, reaches over, and then drops it off on the pier. So, even if that crane did have the, the right capacity to lift it lift it into what there would have had to have been landing craft there and transferring what is an armored vehicle from the deck of a, a salvage tug to a to a um utility landing craft is not the easiest thing in the world to do it's quite a complex seamanship evolution so if you look at it like that supposing the tool wasn't supposed to come off so the tool was just there for air defense so therefore she's running something else to snake island um palletized fuel drums rations uh ammunition yeah 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 i'd buy that it's a highly inefficient way of doing that and who's going to want to sail a salvage tug with 50 gallon fuel drums on the upper deck maybe with some ammunition and things it's 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 not the ideal way to do it so either there was kit on there or back to your trigger man there was someone on there who needed to die and someone who was of such importance he merited to anti-ship with weapons <coughs> your hot mic in there sir. yeah I, I turned them off yeah you, you basically what you're saying is it's kind of a crazy idea to be sailing on a salvage tug with a bunch of things that go boom and things that catch on fire very easily if it gets hit by literally anything yeah uh, yeah it's not how we do put it that way we we would run a we would run a convoy and he, he, he cut the corner. He sailed straight to Snake Island. He went. He wandered right into the engagement envelope. Um, so that's the other question. Why do that? Everyone knows they've got Neptunes and Harpoons and maybe some other exotic equipment. So why risk a single salvage tug on a straight course and speed through a engagement envelope to get to Snake Island? I mean, that would have been sanctioned by Red Fleet Commander. So I don't see why they did it. It's... The only reason, or the only way I'd do it, was if there was some kind of escort as well. Maybe something riding shotgun. Um, maybe she was escorted and the escort turned around because she was nearly she was nearly within Snake Island um, air defence zone. So the frigate thought, do you know what? I, I'm not happy about this. I think we will just hand, it, hand him off. He's only got like half an hour to run or something. And then she turned around and went east. I could... Buy that. I don't know about you, Tim. I, I, I would buy that. She, she turned around, headed off, but at the limit of radar cover, she detected the raid anyway, radioed this tug. The tug starts unmasking the battery, presents her stern, uh, and hopes to get some rounds off at the missiles, but doesn't manage it and, and gets sunk. That seems to me a fairly reasonable course of events, but it still begs the question, what else got sunk? The Russians are saying something got sunk. We just don't know what got sunk. Tim? Um, yeah, I kind of buy that, Gunny. As well, I was just wondering, was it just a matter of they'd only just got the harpoons in place? Um, I remember not very long ago picking up an RAF A400M going into a 
Danish military base in northern Denmark. Axel will probably know the, the name. I don't think it was Aarhus. It, it might have been. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because it had been in the news that the Danes were going to give Harpoon. I thought, well, I wonder where he goes when he comes out. Anyway, it, it went back um, It went back to Bryce Norton. And so, unfortunately, I then deleted the screenshots I took of it as I, as it sort of didn't really turn out to be what I was hoping it was going to be. I hoping it was going to go into Denmark and then fly to Constantia or somewhere like that. And then I'd be like, well, that's got to be the Harpoons. Um, but maybe they came back to the UK for something to be done to them. Maybe that flight was nothing at all to do with it, but maybe the, the timing of this this strike was just that the harpoons had just got into theatre, and maybe the reason this this ship didn't dogleg is because the Russians didn't know that they were there. They they literally only just got them set up, and then along came a target. Um, but the escort turning around and handing off—I mean, that's plausible. Um, time pressure and things like that plays a plays a hand um gunny if you just remember the atlantic conveyor in the falklands being rather out on a limb slightly up threat they'd put her there because they wanted to reduce the transit time from the carrier group to um san carlos and back again so they could get her in and get her out during the hours of darkness because there was only eight hours of light during the, the day down there um and she just happened to be kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time but time pressure played a part so you know i wonder did the escort kind of had somewhere else to go and, and and do did the escort have a missile shoot to go and do and maybe they were running a bit late and so they handed it off and you get the whole swiss cheese sort of effect all came into play yeah i'll, I'll buy that and angela morgan of course as well when when she got hit um cut in the corner so yeah i'd, I'd buy that i i mean they've been served notice and the other thing is, of course, where did the targeting data come from? Um, well, we all know where it came from. So this wasn't just the Ukrainians deciding to have a punt at this tug. This was third parties um, providing the targeting data as well. So clearly ac- across the board, it was felt that something needed to be done about this vessel. And if it was carrying 50 drums of fuel and rations um, and she was on her own, one missile would have done it, probably. Two is overkill. So they they wanted that bastard down um, and properly down, as in nobody getting off. Nobody sat in uh, a life raft singing Kumbaya waiting for rescue. They intended everyone die on that vessel. So that, again, goes back to the theory that it was important for someone. And Forte that night, I remember you were looking at Forte's track and, and you um, surmised probably quite correctly that it, it ran south to get away from... Um... Russian fast air and then it, it looked if I remember lightly like it was heading back to Siganella and then it turned round and went and sat over Romania um, and we know that this thing images sideways um, and so from where it where it was it was clearly imaging the Snake Island area so you wonder if they, they got a hit, somebody somewhere got a hit that maybe this FSB guy was on there, the harpoons have, have, have literally just gone live and they're like well, we need to take this guy out. We've got the surveillance asset up. The harpoon's alive. Um, you know, these um, global hawks can stay up for, you know, 24 hours, 30 hours plus. Um, and they just cracked on and did it. Yeah, I think the missing piece of the jigsaw is a Russian warship that, that got itself popped as well. As I say, they've said they lost something. So 
if if they did and it was something fairly substantial, then we can go back to the idea that this, this was a dual engagement and they killed the tug and the escort um, or certainly re rend rendered the, the, the escort um, needing a little bit more than some teapot and some paint to buff out the scratches. So... Uh, I, I mean, Portland's run the run his software, magic software, through the the thing that's under tow, and he says Bora. He he, he says it the the whole form, the length, everything ties in with that class of vessel. But th there's just nothing coming out. But to be honest, that's not surprising. I think the Russians will be really loath to formally admit something's been sunk for a few days. So ex expect some news soon. I think what will be interesting is what happens today. I think today we'll probably get a bit kinetic out there. I've, I, as I say, I think a fairly substantial naval op is in the offing. And if I was them, I would run a convoy and I would do some kind of fairly big strike against, um, missile strike against targets and keep everyone busy. Do we have evidence that they left now? Say again? Do we have evidence that they sailed? Uh, no, I, I don't think any of the boats seem to be in port um, for a start. Um, the Makarov, as of about six hours ago, was still out. And uh, I think at least one Corvette is still out. The, the thing with it is everyone, everyone goes off the satellite passes and they go, well, there's proof there's nothing happening. The Russians are in. You can sortie six ships in, in 30 minutes out of harbour. Uh, it's it's not complex. As long as they're flashed up, ready to go, and they're they're at immediate notice, things can change on a dime. So, the, certainly the Ukrainian side is saying they're expecting some kind of substantial missile strike, and and I would, as I say, I would do that. The run a convoy, I would keep everyone really busy, put lots of tracks in the air, uh, and then in conjunction with that, I'd have the ships at sea already, probably marking time in the South Black Sea. And then when I do my shoot, I don't know about you, Tim, that's when I'd run my, my LST, say, with, with an escort, um, under air coverage of Snake and the ships in the Romanian field. And I'd run that, run that convoy up, do a fast distance park, and then sail south again. So we'll, we'll probably see today. Sorry, any quick translation for anyone who didn't catch it, LST? Landing ship tank. So they've, they've got some assault ship, um, got bow doors, ramp, no good for Snake Island. Um, but you can carry a lot of kit up top. Um, they'll need probably a fuel barge unless they just do it old school via landing craft. But I, I would expect they'd want to put that, that crane barge up there as well to speed the disembarkation. Because uh, if you imagine some assault ships parked off Snake Island, that would be really tempting for the Ukrainians to have another crack at. So, uh, but of course, it, will, it all depends how precious they are for, for logistics there. So. If there isn't a problem with logistics on Snake Island, they'll be fat, dumb and happy for a few days. If if they burn through ammunition, but they've, they've built up sufficient stocks, they'll be fine for the next few days. But if the calculations are right and they are smashing through fuel at a tremendous rate because they're having to keep a lot of kit flashed up 24-7 in readiness for air raids, they're going to need something fairly soon. I think we've only seen two fuel, two revetted fuel tanks on the island, which probably isn't enough. I'm, I'm betting they probably like some fuel bows that's just dropped off, mo motored into a revetment and then left there. Um, because of course, once the fuel's gone, your kit switches off and then they're dead. So fuel is going to be absolute priority. They won't 
care that much about rations. They'll probably end up eating each other before they consider rations to be priority. But fuel, fuel is blood for this. There's no, there's no power source on that island. They're running off APUs. They need everything flashed up. They need diesel as a matter of urgency. And that's not something you can really do with 50-gallon fuel drums on the upper deck of a tug. You, you need something more substantial, I think. And that, that's why they may have these um, radar pickets um, down south off Romania that, you know, maybe, as you say, they're running low on fuel. They can't be sat there with everything turning and burning 24-7. So they need these pickets there to give them a heads up. Then they flash everything up, deal with the raid, and then switch off again. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I would expect them to be rotating equipment. Apparently, the second radar has dropped off, been dropped off, but we don't know what type. I think it's probably a low-level, low-air search and target indication set. Um, they've already got their long-range radar on, on there. They'll want something that gives them some decent low-level coverage. But, yeah, I think you're right. They probably alternate radars. They've probably got two tours and a Panzer um, radiating and some other kit down for maintenance and some other kit kind of in standby. But, of course, even if it's in standby, you're still flashed up, aren't you? you you've, you've still got power to the mounting. So they're still going to be eating up fuel, and then they just rotate them. Um, I'm wondering how long before they start having maintenance problems as well. They'll need quite a lot of spares because this is going to be quite intensive operating form for them. Uh, but, yeah, I'd, I'd go for that. Um, raid warning from the radar pickets, everything else, either in standby or, or, or switched off. Probably more standby, it probably take too long. We'll have to ask Portland to have a look at the user manual, but a tour, I think, needs a bit of time to flash up. So radar pickets, give the raid warning, everything flashes up, do the engagement, and then kill it all, safe fuel. Makes sense. Just seaborne um, movements, you know, I look at stuff on marine traffic. There's a like all rig crew uh it's called an all rig crew boat um it's defined on marine traffic last night it was running back from that russian flag rig that's much further to the north uh, but today on marine traffic it, it last pinged on ais about an hour and 20 ago but it was pointing towards those uh the area of those two rigs that we think were struck um so it look, looks like there is that that crew boat is heading towards those rigs at the moment as well. Okay, I have a couple of questions pending uh, from listeners, but let's go to Smooth and then Nina, and then I'll get to know Smooth. Thanks, Dorman. Um, just a short point from the question that uh, Tim raised about um, the flight in and out of uh, Denmark. Um, the the flight station could have been uh, uh, Krop or Karup, um, probably uh, because there was a um, air show over the weekend, including the um, the British Red Arrows. So maybe that could the easy answer could be that this was a flight that was supporting the Red Arrows. I'm I'm not I don't know. Um, just a suggestion. That's all. Thanks. It was longer ago than this weekend. It, w- it was at least maybe two weeks ago. And like I said, I was a bit annoyed with myself that I I deleted the screenshots I took because the, the A400 went back to um, the UK. Um, the airfield was Aalborg. Uh, I've just found it on Flight Radar Map. It was Aalborg in northern Denmark. Um, is it, sorry, is that the one that you mentioned? But that's apparently a joint military... No, he said, he said Korup, which is in central Jutland, um, sort yeah. of directly 
west of Aarhus and Olborg is directly north of Aarhus. Yeah, it was Olborg that this A400 went in and out of. But like I say, unfortunately, I deleted the screenshots, which I'm a bit annoyed with myself about because then I can't go back and look to see when they are. Thanks, Tim. Uh, this was our daily lesson of continental Danish geography. Uh, yesterday, we were dealing with salinity levels in the various bits of the Baltic Sea. I think, uh, you know, a couple more months of this and we'll, we'll cover all of Northern Europe so very thoroughly well. On the point of Northern Europe, Nina. Thank you, Domen, and hi, everybody. <clears throat> Uh, I have been just a moment listening and uh, I suppose uh, what Wings and Tim has been discussing here, discussing here uh, was uh, about the, what I read on Helsingin Sanomat, this uh, Spasatel Vasilibek, uh, uh, what uh, the, uh, the Ukrainians took down with the harpoon, was it like that? And then I have another thing, but uh, Wings, was that the, the boat you were talking about? Uh, did wings uh, drop, or do you hear? Does anyone, anybody? anybody uh, sorry, sorry, Nina. I only got bits and bobs of that. Can you say it again? Uh, yeah, hang on. Uh, I can, I can say it real quick. So, uh, wings. Nina is asking whether the boat that you were talking about is Passatel Vasili Bech, and the answer is yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, is it okay if I take another topic? Um, is it, if it's tangentially related to the Black Sea, yes. If not, if you could wait a little bit because we have more questions on the Black Sea while we have Gunny and, and Tim here. Would that be right, Nina? Uh, I understand, yes, but I want. Uh, I hope that uh, I, like Wendy, is not disappearing. Nina, could you... Sorry, Nina, sorry to interrupt. Could you check your DMs? Um, yeah, yes, I will We can liaise okay. um, through that. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I can, I can wait. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, fantastic work, everyone. Um, right, Gani, Tim, there's a question which I think is quite interesting and, and requires a little bit of um, blue sky thinking and some speculation. So <clears throat> earlier you noted as a, as a hypothesis that maybe that FSB chap was going to Snake Island because uh, the, the other ones on Snake Island weren't too happy about being on Snake Island in one way or another. So a question from a listener is, if, say, the uh, men on Snake Island wanted to... You say surrender, you know, they were decidedly unhappy, they just wanted to get it over with and surrender to Ukraine or anyone else. Um, how would that practically go about without Russians, you know, being able to send someone in first to, I don't know, dispose of them or whatever? Um, without without having served in a, in a Russian unit, I can't tell you. Um, I, I suppose the way it goes is uh, everyone starts dripping which they normally do anyway, because that's how things work in the military. You provide free pizzas and strippers. Um, everyone will drip anyway. It's, it's, that's just what people in the military um, do as a matter of course. Probably in, increased insubordination, um, uh, probably minor little rebellions that the senior NCOs um, have to put down. Of course, that filters up to platoon and company commanders that um, there's there's some trouble brewing. The boys aren't happy. Um, one of them told me to get fucked earlier. Um, I, you know, an, another guy from another battery says I had to pull my pistol to get him to do the daily checks on the wagon. That all goes up to the garrison commander. The garrison commander probably tries to reinstill discipline first. All his officers will be carrying sidearms anyway. And then it gets to the stage where he thinks, do you know what, I might lose control here. And then that's when you, you think, why well, you need a, a trouble troubleshooter to come in. That's why I don't think your FSB man was alone. 
I think he probably had a debt with him. I think also as well there were reports of Tusana, um, small landing craft making a transit at the same time with a Raptor. I put money on your man, the captain, took the tug as his little flagship, power crazed little idiot, um, and he probably had a detachment with him and maybe some more. And the intention was get ashore, fan out, secure the island, round up the ringleaders, put them against the wall, kill them, um, and then reinstall discipline um, at the point of a bayonet. That's, to be honest, that's how I do it as a Russian. Uh, make some examples of people and make sure everyone else understands. Um, don't gob off, do what you're told, otherwise we'll shoot you in the face. Uh, happy days, job done. Therefore, it would be in the Ukrainians' interest, would it not, for this guy uh, and the tug to not make it and everyone else leg it back to Sevastopol, if there were any other ships there, and then just to let this problem fester and foment on the island. But the counter-argument to that is, if there was an engagement 24, 48 hours ago and the Russians did stop it cold, rifles firing, rifles firing, okay. They, they, it's working. They, they killed that raid. Um, and therefore, there probably wasn't some kind of rebellion and sitting. So, you know, just don't know. We just don't know. Thank you, Gani. So, but practically say, if they wanted to surrender, could could that even be possible? Uh, no, not not without killing everyone who, who's still on uh, message. So you, you, you'd have to kill a garrison commander of a staff. Um, there will be higher ranking people and people who are, who are kind of see the point of the mission there. So... You know, to have a full-on mutiny, you would you would end up with some kind of gunfight on the island. Um, I don't know. I can't. I can't see it. But again, a few weeks ago, Wagner didn't use a helicopter pad. Landed on, found out security detail as if they didn't know the state of the island. So yeah, it's 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 a working theory, put it that way. But it's one of probably ten. Um, or it was just a supply run, a simple supply run that went wrong. Um, they monged it, and uh, the Ukrainians served them notice just to say, we, we own the sea around Snake Island. Don't even think about it. That's entirely plausible as well. I just don't know. Thank you, Annie. Um, Smooth, before we go to you, a couple of points from the audience. Uh, first of all, the A400 might have been temporarily coinciding with bulltops, Tim. Uh, maybe that's why it went, when it went, where it went. Yeah, yeah it could have been. Could have been. Um, as, I, as I said, I, I saw it going. It was about the time there was talk of Danish harpoons, and I thought if that goes out again down towards Constanza or somewhere like that, or ours is out, that would be really good. Um, but it went back. It, it went back to the UK, um, and I didn't keep the screenshots uh, of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, in, entirely possible. There's quite a lot of movement going on between the UK and the, the Baltic with all this uh, ball top stuff going on at the moment. Yeah, I get it. Um, and then the other thing that was raised was it's some, uh, a listener asks, at some point it would be great to hear about NATO area activities close to Ukraine. I'm especially interested in what the strato tankers are refueling. There are often two, even three flying gas stations in the region. I suspect they refuel also something we can't see on radar. Um, maybe Tim, you can, you can mold that over a little bit because I know that's got a lot of stuff to, to construct, but I also know that you follow that quite a lot obviously. Um, and let's go to Smooth, and then maybe we can turn back to this. How does that sound? Smooth. Yeah. Um, question on uh, on the Black Sea, um, especially in the mornings uh, regularly, um, you can see um, east of uh, Constanza, um, 
Denmark registered helicopter from um, I think it's companies called Bell Air Aviation. So I'm wondering if anybody has ever checked if if this the, these flights have some some uh, if these are or covered, uncovered military flights, or if, if this is just a company that is doing supply runs for a, for a rig east of uh, east of the Romanian coast or, or whatever. So I, I've seen that, that helicopter regularly in the last weeks, and I was just wondering what it's doing. I think they service offshore wind, wind you know, oil rigs and wind farms and the like. Tim? Um, yeah, he's been a, a regular that we've seen. I think it, it's just a fairly standard um, oil rig uh, sort of um, transfer helicopter. Like we, you know, see, there's gazillions of them in the North Sea off of the UK where there's loads of rigs and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think he's just a. Uh, he, he goes out and does a, a, a sort of daily, um, probably drop off of light stores and personnel to one of the rigs. Um, the the tanker stuff where there are tankers there are fighters, um, so NATO will have fighters up along its eastern border. Um, so wherever you see those tankers, um, not too far away, there will be fighters up, and you don't see the fighters on flight radar. Very occasionally you do. We've seen some typhoons near Constanta now and then. Uh, also the AWACS, the the sentry that's up, um, that usually refuels once. Um, so probably one of the tankers is probably dedicated uh, to be the AWACS um, tanker. The usual way the AWACS operates is he comes on station, does about four hours, goes to the tanker. It, it'd probably be, you know, to get to the tanker and back to station is usually about 45 minutes or so. Uh, and then he'll do another four hours and then he goes home. Sometimes they do it slightly different. Probably when they think something's about to happen, we've seen now and then um, the sentry will come on station, maybe do two hours, and then he'll go to the tanker, um, and then it will go back to station. And that's probably usually because they've got a, a heads up that something's about to happen and they don't want to lose um, um, the coverage at, at some point. So they, they'll just jockey the time that they go to the tanker. But tankers, predominantly for fighters, um, but also there's usually one there that I think is there solely to service the AWACS. Um, the longest I've seen the century up, I think, is about 10 hours, and he might tank twice on that day. The, the longest tanker source I've seen, which was not long ago, was one of the ones that came out of southern Spain. It's usually CASA is his, is his call sign, uh, and I think that was about an 11-hour salty, which is, um, yeah, that's going somewhere. I hope, you hope they brought lots of sandwiches. Thank you, Tim. Um, I had a question for, for both you and Gani. With harpoons, aren't several harpoons usually launched? Uh, Gani earlier was saying, you know, if, if it was just the tug, um, two harpoons means they really wanted to get rid of it and destroy everything on the tug. Is that, isn't it normal practice? At least that's what one of the listeners is suggesting. Is it normal practice to always launch more than one? Because if it's just one, there's quite a good chance it gets intercepted or distracted or whatever. Yeah, you'd usually go for a salvo, wouldn't you, Gunny? Um, Especially if you think there's any sort of defences around that the the target's defended. Um, You you certainly wouldn't just loose off off one. But, um, yeah, it's fairly standard practice that you you would fire um, multiple 
um, multiple harpoons. I think we've talked before. I think in the scenario, Gunny would have a 23 versus a, a type 23 versus a Udali or a Sovereign um, you'd be firing the whole eight. Um, and harpoons programmable as well. You can fly around corners and stuff like that, which makes it quite frightening or did to my mind. Um, but yeah, you, you, you certainly, the only time perhaps you'd, you'd only fire a single one is if you only had ones to fire or that, um, you were certain that the, what you were firing at had no means to defend itself. Yeah. I, I mean, she had the tour on the back, but to be honest, I'd have probably popped just one at her. I'm still a little bit surprised two were fired. If they were harpoons, all we've got is two points of light impacting. The the range would suggest it probably, it, it, it may well have been a harpoon, but it could just as well be, um, it could just as well be Neptune. There's a lot of people out there who are, who looked at the footage and decided what missile system it was without actually doing with what Portland says that he looks at the explosions in detail. Um, so I would just disregard all of that. Every swinging dick who's watched Crawl C seems to be able to um, tell you from grainy footage what kind of missile hit it. I've seen reports that um, they might have been anti-armor weapons dropped from the TB2. No, <laughs> just no. Um, through to um, these were weapons dropped by a NATO asset. It's just insane out on Twitter at the minute. What I would say is... Um, Ocean AEH just posted there, uh, there appears to be a major civilian movement of vessels out towards that um, oil field, gas field, uh, with with salvage and rescue vessels. So, VSO, that would tie in with your firm spot that another one's been hit, and they're, they're running some kind of search and rescue operation to another one now. Cause, um, the firm the... data is delayed by how many hours? No idea. Uh, VSO, can you, can you, are you still on, mate, are you? I think he's down listening, but I'm sure he'll come up because you will call him. I don't see, and actually, no, I don't think he's up. I think he's, uh, uh, otherwise engaged, so to speak. There, there typically is a time delay of the firm's data. I think the shortest time frame they've given us so far was 12 hours. VSO says his phone died. I need a bit more Dutch courage. And actually, you, you, do you want to translate this for the listeners who aren't aware of what Dutch courage is? Let Hanaver. me do that for you. Hanaver. Anyway, right. Uh, where were we? Um, also, Gunny, right. One of the other things that's being asked. Earlier, you noted how uh, it's naval strategy, I guess, to use oil rigs as cover. How does that work? Um, so these missiles, such as harpoons, that they easily get, say, distracted and hit something else that is in the ship and kind of looks like a ship instead. Is that the idea? Um Simply, yeah. So uh, imagine a frigate out in the middle of the open sea, missile flies in, goes back to, detects the warship, flies into it. Now put that warship in amongst five or six oil rigs, um, you've got five or six targets. So how does a missile know where to go, with which target? It will probably go for the largest um, radar cross-section, and an oil rig is a very, very big radar cross-section. So what you do is that you, you detect the missile, the missile comes down the bearing at you, and you put the oil rig between you and the missile. You can also start throwing up chaff as well, kind of either side. So uh, if the missile doesn't go for the rig, it will fly either side of the rig, because these things can't turn on a dime. 
so it's brutal. Uh, it's probably also exceptionally effective. Uh, it will take a little bit of seamanship, um, but as long as you've, you've got the bearing and the, and the weapon um, will probably be active, you'll get away with it. The, the challenge comes if the missile isn't active, if it's just flying in, um, in which case you're depending on your radar seeing the missile coming. But it, yeah, it's 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 illegal, really. I think it's illegal, isn't it, Tim? I, I think that will come under the Geneva Convention. But it's it's a fantastic way of hiding yourself um, and avoiding an attack. The, it, the the only thing it will do is it will limit your engagement options because you might want to start shooting at this thing as well. And obviously, if you're behind a an oil rig, oil rigs tend to be pretty big. So it might, what we call, would you radar? So you'll end up with a, a, a sector blank down the bearing where the missile is coming. So you might not be able to do a shoot. But to be honest with you, if I'm behind an oil rig and there's a missile coming at me, I'll be fairly happy that, that the oil rig's going to take take it for me. I mean, I can just steam out and carry on as normal. And also along, let's say, similar lines, how easy is it for a ship to defend against a sea skimming missile, you know, with, with more active measures, specifically thinking of, you know, some sort of missile that they can launch to intercept said sea skimming missile. Oh, God. I mean, when you're going into AAW, sort of fully. Um, uh, so, you help me out here, because it's probably been longer for me than you. Um, so the first trick is detecting it. You either detect it on radar, or you detect it, Passively, so when the radar seeker comes on, the, the, the whistle goes off in the ops room and you know that something's coming to get you and everyone looks down that bearing on the radars. The further away you detect it, the better. What you want is a multi-layered defence. So you want your AWACS up looking for the launch platforms um, or submarines on, on the outer um, ring looking for surface ships that might fire missiles. Then you have your FEZ, the fighter engagement zone, so the, the combat air patrol will try and shoot down aircraft and missiles coming towards you. Then you get your handover area because then you go into the missile engagement zone and that's when your ship or ships start chucking missiles at these targets. Then you've got your medium gun engagement zone. Then you've got your close-in weapon systems, um, which can be sort of rotary cannon or it can be very short-range anti-aircraft weapons. Then you've got your soft kill, which is chaff, decoys, flares, and you've got all your jamming. So there's there's a lot of things you can throw at anti-ship missiles. 